Today we're in this series, brand new series we're kicking off called What's Next? Everybody say, what's next? All right. I don't know. Thanks for asking, though. We don't know. I don't. Jokes didn't land. All right. All right. So, uh, so anyway, What's Next is, is a brand new series that we're doing. And I, if I could dedicate it to somebody, I would dedicate it to the new people, all the, all the new folks that have been walking through the doors. And some of you who have been coming to church for a while, this is going to help you as well. And a lot of the content from this series is coming from one of my heroes of the faith, Pastor Chris Hodges from Birmingham, Alabama, Church of the Highlands. He wrote a book a couple years ago called What's Next? And so uh, this is where a lot of this content comes from. But the idea of this series really is that every single one of us have a next step to take. It doesn't matter like how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter if you're a new believer. Like you might be a new believer, somebody who recently gave their life to Christ, and you're thinking, I I don't know what to do next. Where do I go from here? You have a next step to take. Maybe you're somebody who's been a Christian for a little while, but you're starting to wonder, is this all there is? Isn't there more to this Christianity thing than just going through the motions? And yes, there is. There's another step for you to take. Or maybe you've been a Christian for like 50, 60 years and you just think, I'm good. I don't really need to do anything else. My life is good. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the way out. You know, I'm, my, no, 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 no. You have a next step to take too. Everybody does. We all do. I believe that even people who are far from God have a next step to take. People far from God have a next step to take. Why? Because they were created in the very image of God. They were created in his image and they have a God-shaped hole in their heart that they will never be satisfied until they come to a walking, talking, everyday, living, breathing relationship with Jesus Christ. And I don't know if you can tell it or not, but I'm a little preachy today, all right? Just a little preachy. Teachers tell it, preachers yell it. So I'm just gonna get a little bit preachy today. I really... This, this is inside of me. This is who I am as a pastor and as a person. I want this for you, this message. I want this for you. And so I, I believe that, that God has a next step for all of us. The reality is that every one of us, we're all on, the, on a spiritual journey. We all are on this journey that God has for you. And my role is just to be the spiritual tour guide. That's all I'm trying to do today is I'm trying to point the way. I'm trying to clear the path. I'm trying to show you some things along the way about, about God and, and help you take some next steps and point out the crazy lady. Stay away from her. You know, no, just, uh, no, I'm just kidding about that part. That's Nacho Libre. Thought nobody got that one either. All right. Note to self. Do not quote Nacho Libre. Uh, so uh, I want to start with this. I want to start with this. Uh, One scripture, but three different versions of this scripture I want to give you today to start with. This is the very first scripture that I ever gave at City Hope Church. If you were here that day, you might remember it. It's Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. And I want to start with it in the King James Version. And it says that where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, people perish. Now the word for vision here, the Greek word for uh, Hebrew, Hebrew word for vision is halzon, halzon, and and it kind of sounds like calzone, right? Anybody ready for calzones today? Come on, let's go. Let's go to Luigi's up by the base. Come on. I'll take that stromboli right now. It is so good. I love it. Not calzone, though, halzon, okay, halzon. 
And, and it says, where there is no halzone, the, the word halzone means where there's no um, revelation, where there's no, uh, the word halzone is, is dream, it is purpose. When you don't have a purpose, when you don't have a dream for your life, when you don't have a vision for your life, you'll perish. But it won't be a physical death, it'll be a spiritual death, it'll be a, it'll be a, a mental death, it'll be an emotional death where you don't really, you, do, you don't know where you're going or what you're doing, Right? Where you, you don't want to get up out of bed every day and you don't want to go to work every day. Why? Because you don't have how zone. You don't have a vision for your life. Um, the, another translation, uh, this is the NIV. This is what we teach out of a lot here. In the NIV it says that, that where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. In other words, same kind of thing. You don't have purpose for your life. You don't have a destiny for your life. And so your life becomes chaotic because you just go, well, it doesn't, it doesn't matter anyway. I'm just going to do whatever I want to because really at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what I do. It's all going to get me to the same point. No, there's a purpose for your life. There's a destiny for your life. Can I get an amen? He has that for you. And so what happens is if you don't know that revelation, if you don't know the purpose You'll cast off restraints in your marriage. You'll cast off restraints in relationship, in your finances, and you'll just throw your hands up and go, who cares? It doesn't matter. I'm just going to do things my way. And, and then what, what happens for a lot of people is they try to fix it. And they, the, the way they try to fix it is they, they try to do better. Have you ever done that before? You kind of get this mentality, if I could just run faster, jump higher, if I could just do better then everything else would work out in life. If I could just stop doing the things that I shouldn't be doing, then everything will be okay. But I want to tell you that you don't fix the problem by trying to stop everything. You actually have to get something better in your life than the things that you don't need to be doing. You need to have a vision for your life that's better than all the things that you don't need to be doing. And what is that? It's a vision. It's a dream. It's a purpose. You've got to have purpose in your life. And then in the message, paraphrase. Now, the message is not a translation. It's, a, it's what's called a paraphrase. So it's written in modern day language where we can understand it, right? Just, just like we were talking to each other. And it says it this way. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. You ever stumbled over yourself before? Came back late one night to our house and when we lived in Alabama and... Uh, I was on a trip and I had a suitcase and I just left it in the floor and I went to bed. But in the middle of the night, I had to get up and I stubbed my toe on the suitcase and broke my toe. Turned, it turned purple, everybody. It was, it was almost black. It was, it was bad looking. All because I couldn't see where I was going. I was just try, trying to get to the restroom in the middle of the night. I was, I was stumbling because I couldn't see. And this is us in life a lot of times is that we, we can't see what God's doing so we stumble all, all over ourselves. But when you attend to what he reveals to you, when you attend to the purpose that he gives you, when you attend to the destiny, to the revelation and the vision that he has for your life, you are the most, say it with me, blessed. Who wants to be blessed? Man, I want that for my life. I want to be blessed. And the word blessed here simply means that, that you're going to have you're going to have fulfillment in life regardless of what's going on around you. That everything else could be falling apart, but you're going, to be, you're going to have this fulfillment inside of you that it doesn't matter what's going on on the outside because I know where I'm supposed to be on the inside. I know what God's doing on me on the inside. And, and 
Another word you could use for blessed here is joy. Joy. Joy's not a temporal thing. I mean, this is a joy. The real joy is an eternal kind of thing. So Jesus wants to give us some joy. God wants to give us some joy, but that joy will only come when we're living out what he calls us to do. Uh, you can find it in Psalm verse 16. It says, you will show me the way of life. What's the way of life? Well, remember, Proverbs says he's going to, when you attend to what he reveals, what is he revealing? The way of life. You're going to show me the way of life. And when you show that to me, it's going to grant me the joy of your presence. I'm going to have joy. I'm going to have, I'm going to have peace. I'm going to have this, this thing that is far superior than happiness. Like it's not just happiness, it is a joy and the pleasures of living with you forever. In other words, you're not going to find joy just coming to church every once in a while. Real joy comes from what? It comes from being in the middle of the will of God. That's where real joy comes from. Because no matter what's going on around me, I know I'm in the middle of the will of God and, and this is where God wants me to be. So a little piece of trivia. The number one thing that people want to know the number one thing that, that people have on their list in the church is, how do I know the will of God for my life? In a few weeks, we're going to have an Easter service here, five Easter services, and we're going to do a survey. And one of those questions is, um, what are some topics that you would like for us to teach on? And the number one topic every year is, what's the will of God for my life? How do I know the will of God? So knowing that, like... I'm just going to go ahead and tell you in advance because it's going to be that. It, it, it is every time. And then I'm going to go ahead and teach a message the week after Easter on how do you know the will of God for your life, all right? Because we want to know. So we want to know how do I do this? How do I know if I'm on the right track? How do I know if I'm doing what God wants me to do? So one of the frustrating things as a pastor, can I just, I'm just going to, can I be, can, just counsel session with me today? Just let me, let me tell you, one of the most frustrating things as a pastor is when I see people not taking advantage of everything that Jesus died to give them. Yeah. Okay, let me say it a different way. What frustrates me is, is when people settle for less than what Jesus died on the cross to give you. So a lot, a lot of, maybe not a lot of you, some of you have settled in your relationship with God. And you're like, oh, we're, we're good, you know. We're, everything's fine. We're, we're fine. Everything, we're not worried about anything. I mean, I'm not really pursuing God, but I'm on my way to heaven. And so you've settled. You've just kind of taken this, this backseat approach to your relationship with God. But I'm telling you, God has so much more to offer you that you might not be taken advantage of. So since Jesus gave his life on the cross to pave the way for you to not only go to heaven, but for you to live a life on earth that is fulfilled... Don't you want to take advantage of that? I mean, if, he, if, if God's going to give his only son, don't you want to take advantage of what he came to give you? Thank you, Mickey. Thank you. Appreciate that. We do. We want that. We, uh, so I want everything that God has for me. And so over the next few weeks, what I want to do is I want to try to show you everything God has for you. The things that God has destined for you. The things that he has set up for you in advance but here's here's the thing the enemy wants to steal kill and destroy so the enemy like God has a future for your life right yes. but did you know that the enemy also has a plan for your life 
God has a plan for your life. So does Satan. And, and, and Jesus said it this way in John 10, 10, that Satan's plan is to still kill and destroy the plan of God for you. He wants to distract you. He wants to, he wants to steal the seed and the dreams that God's put in your heart. He wants to kill every bit of what God has done inside of you. And he wants to destroy the future that you have in God. He does. But Jesus said, hey, that's okay because I came to, have, I came to give life and life to the full. I came to give life to somebody. I came to give some future to somebody. And that's what I hope I can inspire with you today, is that God has a future and a hope for you. So over these next few weeks, I'm just going to try to show you what God has for you. I'm going to be your spiritual tour guide, and I'm going to point the way, clear the path for this spiritual journey that we're on, all right? Okay, so our vision for your life, I just I feel like if you're new to church today, you should know that we have an agenda for you, all right? I'm just going to be real upfront and honest with you. We have an agenda for you. <laughs> but it's not our agenda. It's God's agenda for you. So our agenda is actually, not, we didn't come up with it. The Bible came up with it. And so we're just going to tell you what that agenda is. Can I do that today? So it's his way for you to live. Number one is this. In your notes, if you've got sermon notes with you today, write this down. His agenda for you is that you would know God. That you would know God. That's what he wants for you. He wants you to be in a life-giving relationship with him. Not to just know about him like, oh yeah, I know LeBron James. I know LeBron. Come on, baby. I know, I, love, I know LeBron. No, you don't. When's the last time you were at his house, right? right. No, you, you know of LeBron. See, there's a lot of people who know of God, but they don't know God. I hadn't been in rela- you hadn't been in a relationship with God. And I'm talking about a life-giving purpose-filled relationship with Jesus. Some of you, the greatest revelation you'll ever get of Jesus and Christianity is that it's not about religion, it's about relationship. That he loves you and he has a purpose for your life and if he has a refrigerator in heaven, your picture is on it. He he wants to know you. He has a a desire to to have a relationship with you. So you've got to start here. So check this out. One of the things that, that concerns me, though, is there, maybe you're here today, and, and you're like Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy. Maybe you're here, and, and you've missed the most important thing, and that is that you don't, you don't even know God. You don't have this relationship. This is foundational, that before you can do anything else I'm going to teach you about today and over the weeks ahead, before you can do anything else, you've got to start here. You've got to know God. It's a building block. You can't go on to the next level unless you know God. Can I get a witness today? It's a relationship. So you've got to know him first. And once you know God, then number two, you can find freedom. You can find freedom for your life. Now freedom, what I'm talking about here, is not this kind of freedom that says, yeah, woo, I can do whatever I want to now. Now that's, that's the wrong kind of freedom that we're talking about. Like yeah, once saved, always saved, baby. I'll do whatever I want to. I done gave my life to Jesus, and I'm just going to keep living like a hellion, little hooligan, right? No, 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 not like that. I'm talking about settling your past, settling your yesterdays. Because, hey, guess what? We all have issues. And if you say you don't have issues, that's your issue, right? Because we all have them. We, I've got them. You've got them. We all have issues. So... 
So like finding freedom is settling the past. It's getting past the hurts, the habits, the hangups. It's getting past all of those things that maybe are skeletons in the closet. What is it? It's, it's you getting rid of all the secrets in your life that you know if they weren't there, your life would be better. I'm going to say it, let me say it a different way. Finding freedom is, is when you finally open up about all those secrets that you don't want anybody else to know, but you know if they weren't in your life, your life would be better. Am I making sense? That's what freedom is. It's getting past the past, and, and that's what God wants for your life. But, but the problem is that we try, to, we try to do it on our own, don't we? No, I can handle it. No, and you feel in your heart that you're supposed to tell somebody, and then you, you chicken out. And you say, no, no, God doesn't want me to do that. That's, that's probably the devil telling me that I should tell somebody else about it, you know. But really, it's God saying, you got to get this out. you got to talk to somebody. But we try to medicate it. And how do we do that? We medicate it with relationships, or we medicate it with medications, substance abuse, drugs, alcohol, um, diff- different addictions out there. We medicate it with with uh, maybe it's the dollar. We feel like we got to just chase the dollar and continually make more, and our life is based on possessions and not purpose in God. And so we try to medicate. But, but Jesus said this way. He said, you will never be able to medicate all of those things. You'll never be able, you'll never be able to find freedom apart from me. That's why he said in John 8, 36, that if the Son sets you free, that's when you'll be free indeed. Yes. So you can't find freedom in all of those other things. You can't find freedom in relationships. You can't find freedom in a marriage. You can't find freedom, you can't find freedom anywhere else other than a relationship with Jesus Christ. So it starts with that. You've got to know God, and then you'll be able to find freedom. And once you find freedom, number three, then you can discover your purpose. Hey, did you know you have a purpose? That, that you are born on purpose, for a purpose? That you, you have a reason to be alive today? That, that God destined you for a moment. I hope I'm making sense to somebody today. Like, you, you were destined. I love how Mark Twain said it, that the two greatest days of your life are the day you were born and then the day you found out why you were born. Yes. Like, God, why am I here? Why on earth am I here? Why did you create me? Why am I alive? And that's what we want to help you do. We want to help you discover that purpose. But here's the thing. If you are having trouble discovering your purpose, it might be because you never found freedom. Because you can't see what God has for you tomorrow if you're continuing to look through the lens of yesterday. You know, somebody just take out your phone right now and tweet that right now. Just boom. That is, you, can't, you can't see what God has for you in the future. You can't fulfill his purpose for your life tomorrow if you're, if you're trying to look through all the gunk and all the junk and all the stuff of yesterday, filtering it through your past. So you got to find freedom so you can discover the purpose. Here's how we help you discover purpose. We call it the growth track. Um, it happens every single week except for the fifth Sundays. The growth track is made up of four steps. And the way we like to say it is if you'll give us four Sundays, we will help you discover your purpose in life. We'll help you discover it. Uh, it happens every Sunday at 945 and 1130. So it's going on right now. 
but you'll be able to jump in next Sunday. And, and today was actually step two of the growth track. It's where we help you discover your gifts. We help you discover the personality traits that God's put inside of you. We help you um, kind of find out who you are in Christ. And we say, give us four Sundays. But once you discover it, you've got you've to commit to it. Once you discover what God's called you to do, you can't just say, oh, this don't work. I tried it one time, and it, that old preacher, he's a liar. Right? No, no. You've got to commit to it. You've, maybe you're coming from a background where you've been sowing a lot of bad seed for a while. Hey, guess what? That bad seed might not go away immediately. <laughs> You might, have, you might be reaping some things that you sowed for a little bit. And so what we like to say is give God a year. Give us a year of your life. Go all in for 365 days and go through the growth track and get on the dream team and start going to small groups and start serving at First Saturday Serve and see if your life isn't different a year from now. Amen. Come on. Yeah. Who, 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 who here, I'm sorry, who here today would say, oh, Pastor Ben, you're talking right now. I've done that before. Come on. A couple of you are like, yeah. All over the building. I went all in, and I'm just telling you, you're going you're to have to do that. You've got to commit to the process, all right? And we do that through growth track. And in case you can't find the growth track room, it's the room right outside this wall that says growth track on it, okay? It says growth track. If you have a hard time, just ask anybody, hey, where's the growth track room? It's right out there, all right? So why do we do that? Why do we do the growth track? It's Galatians. It's what Paul said. We're just trying to help you make an, a careful exploration of who you are. Who are you? Who are you? Who, 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 who? Anybody know who sang that song? The Who, right? Who are you? So we're trying to make you, help you make a careful exploration of who you are and the work that you've been given. What's the work? Well, you, we're going to discover what that is in just a minute. You discover the work that you've been given and then sink yourself into that work. Commit to it. Give your all to that work. Come on. Is that good? Good. All right. Number four. Once you've done the first three, you can do number four, and that is make a difference with your life. This is a progression that only works if you start at the top. But what I want to do today is I want to go in reverse, okay? So um, Stephen Covey, who's a leadership author, he wrote a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of the habits in the book is begin with the end in mind. So in other words, if, if this is the end, we know that God's ultimate dream for us is to make a difference, then how do I get there? Well, I got to know God, find freedom, discover purpose. So what I want to do today is I want to start with the end. We're going to talk today about making a difference. And then next week, we're going to talk about discovering purpose. And then on Palm Sunday, we're going to take communion together. We're going to talk about the cross, and we're going to talk about how you can find freedom in your life. And then on Easter Sunday, everybody, I believe this place is going to be packed out. Hundreds of people are going to come to know Jesus by faith because we're going to be talking about knowing God. Come on. Yeah, let's give God thanks for that. Talk about knowing God. So the reason why we make a difference, the reason it's so important is because it it glorifies God. We have been created to glorify God. Uh, We're learning in the Leadership Academy right now, which by the way, we're we're on spring break this week. Woo! All right? But in our Leadership Academy, we've been talking about purpose. And one of the things we talked about recently was, why are you created? And that is to bring God glory. That's why you're created. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 15. 
that this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit. What's that? That you make a difference. You, you take your life and you use it for his kingdom and his glory. And as you make a difference, people will be able to know that you're his disciples. They'll look at your life and they'll go, hey man, you're, you're one of those real Christians. Like you actually practice what you preach. You're actually bearing fruit in your life. And I'm telling you today that, that I, I, I just need you to buy into this. I need you to buy into the truth that you were born for something more than just doing what feels good to you. Right. That you were born for more than that. And when you, are, when you do what you were created to do, you bring God glory. Amen. So it keeps going in John chapter 15 and verse 11. It says, I've told you this. So that my joy may be in you. Remember in Psalm where he says, you'll show me the way of life and I'll be filled with joy. Now Jesus confirms that. And he says, I've told you about making a difference and bearing much fruit so that you'll be filled with my joy and my joy will be complete in you. In other words, when my, jo my joy is going to be complete when you're making a difference. When you're doing what you've been called to do. In fact, science agrees with the Bible. Science agrees with God. Can you believe it? Do you know why science agrees with God? Because God created science, and that's why, that's why it agrees. So sociologists, uh, they have confirmed what I'm talking about today. It took, it took us thousands of years to come up with the, the, what the sociologists tell us. And, and in fact, some of you have studied this in college, Maslow's Hierarchy. And my, Maslow's hierarchy says that the, the greatest point of your life is transcendence. And it's, and it's the moment when you lay your head down at night and you know in your heart of hearts, I did something that wasn't just about me, it was about making a difference in the people around me. It made a difference. Somebody went to heaven today because I made a difference in the world. And, and that's what I'm talking about today. So in your notes, write this down, that my ultimate purpose in life is to make a difference but catch it it's for eternity it's not you're not making a difference for your bank account you're not making a difference for the the, the school system that you work for or the job that you have or or the medical profession that you're in you're not making a difference just to make a difference in people but you've got to do it for eternity so today was a time change weekend it was the time change weekend we all dislike right we like the one where you fall back get an extra hour of sleep come on somebody but this one robbed us it robbed us we, we lost an hour but even though we lost an hour there were people here this morning at five and six o'clock this morning okay that, that would be four and five o'clock yesterday's time their body's not adjusted to it yet they're getting here at four five o'clock in the morning from yesterday's time and they're warming up and they're, they're getting things ready and they're putting coffee on and they're rehearsing and they're getting things ready in production. There are kids workers that are in the kids section right now. They're changing dirty diapers and, there, and there are, there's a production team up there that's running the switchers and the cameras and, and the televisions, all the monitors that you see throughout the building. There's, there's a greeting team that greeted you as you came in today. Why? Just, just to have something to do on Sunday morning? No. It was to make an eternal difference because every person who gives their life to Jesus Christ is a touchdown on their scoreboard. They had something to do with that. 
They made a difference. Somebody's going to heaven because they brewed a cup of coffee today. Come on. God's Java juice. Come on, somebody. The great Java juice of the Lord just, and I'm drinking, I'm decaf. I'm on decaf right now. Still loving it, by the way. No headaches, no crashes in the afternoon. You should try it sometime. It's great. So my purpose, my purpose is, is to make a difference in the lives of people. So here's, trying to go somewhere with this. And I know it's taken a little bit of time. But um, there's, the problem I feel is that there is a gravitational pull inside all of us to only want to do what we want to do. Well, I'm going to go to this service because that's the one that works best for me. I'm going to park in that spot because that's the one that works best for me. Or I'm going to do this because it's what's best for me. There's a gravitational pull to just want to be selfish. Am I preaching today? There's this pull inside of us that says, Pastor Ben, we need, we, need to, we need to change the way we're doing things around here. No, And by the way, nobody has told me this, but it's a trend in America that I see. Is we, 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 need to, we need to do this differently. We need to do this better because, you know, we need to do some things that, that really pertain to us Christians and not just for the lost people. In fact, there are, there's kind of a movement of churches that are saying, we're not really into that whole church growth thing anymore. That we've decided we just want to focus on, on us and taking care of the ones that God has sent us. And we really want to, we want to do things that we like and typically, that comes from churches that aren't growing in the first place. But I, I'm, I'm gonna—I don't want to offend anybody here today. So please hear my heart. But listen, um, church growth is not optional as long as heaven and hell are real. Like the kingdom of God should be growing. Churches in America should be full to capacity because we're plundering hell and we're populating heaven. Come on, somebody, that churches ought to be growing, so as long as I'm the pastor here, hey, church growth is not an option. We're going after the lost because it's not about us. Church is not about us. We are the church. You and I are the church, and we exist for people who are not here yet. We exist for the lost and the broken and the lonely and the vulnerable and the marginalized. We exist for those who don't know Jesus, and we have a purpose in helping them come to know Jesus, Right? Whew, I'm preaching, y'all. If this was my home church, I'd probably take off running about now. You know what I mean? But we won't do that. We won't do that today. So we can't lose sight of the vision is what I'm trying to say. We cannot lose sight of why are we here? Why do we do this? Why did we get up today? And why do we come to church? And why are we, why are we part of this? So when Jesus was on earth, he had a mission, didn't he? And before he left the earth... He gave us a mission. In fact, it's called the Great Commission. Co means with. He gave us a mission. He sent us with a mission. He said it this way in, in John. He says, in the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, Father, I'm going to give them a mission. He's going to give you a mission. Something to do in your life. And so what's that mission? Well, Rome, uh, sorry, Acts 20 says it this way. Paul says... His mission, he's like, I don't even care about my life anymore. I'm done with trying to please people and trying to make people happy. I'm done with trying to, you know, like, 
earn my way into the, uh, into the right places with people. I'm done with that. The most important thing that I do is that I complete my mission. What's his mission? It's the work that the Lord Jesus gave me to do. Well, what's the work? It's telling people the good news about Jesus Christ. That's the mission. That's your mission. That's my mission, is that we have been called to tell somebody about what Jesus has done in our lives. Ephesians 2 says it this way, that we are God's workmanship, you and I. And we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Listen to me, you're not saved by good works. Your good works cannot get you to heaven. But you will be judged according to your works. Will they, will they surpass the test of the fire? You can read about that in the scripture. We, for, we tend to forget about that great judgment that's going to come for us Christians. That, that it's not about our good works to getting us to heaven, but it's about our good works. What we did here to make Jesus famous and get as many people into heaven as possible. Right. So, so here's the thing. God gave us these good works before we were even born. In advance, he gave us these works. Jeremiah says it this way, that before, before you were even born, I knew you. God said, I knew, you were, I knew you while you were in your mother's womb, while you were a twinkle in your daddy's eye, right? I knew, I knew and I had a plan for your life, God says. And in Acts 1.8, um, we're going to take a look at this scripture. It says in Acts 1.8, this is Jesus' last words. He's, about, he's on the Mount of Olives. He's about to ascend into heaven. And this is what he leaves us with. He says, you will be my witnesses everybody say witness all right now he does not say you will be my judge do you know the, the number one reason why people don't come to church when when we started this church we asked people tell us why you don't go to church the number one reason was y'all are judgmental all you do is you're, you're hypocritical you you point fingers at people you don't care about people and, and I'm just done with church. That was the number one reason we got. So God didn't say, you will be my judge. You'll condemn people and let them know how bad they are. There is no hope for you, I'm sorry, right? No, no, no. He says, you're not going to do that. And, and he didn't call you a prosecutor to interrogate people about their life and how wrong they are and how they need Jesus and, and how bad they are. No, 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 he didn't do that. He didn't even call you to defend him. You know, in, in theology, that's called apologetics, defending the faith. Honestly, he doesn't need you to defend the faith. He's, he, he's capable of that. What he called us to do is to be a witness. Now, a witness doesn't tell anybody else's story but their own. So I can't tell Mickey's story because his story is not my story. I can tell my story, though. And what I know is God did this in my life. Hey, I don't know, I, I, I don't know about all that, but I know this. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I don't know about what's going on over there on that part of the town, but I do know this. I used to be a wretched guy, but God saved me, and he redeemed me, and he set me free. So I'm telling my story, right? And that's what he calls us to do, to tell our story. So... It goes on to say this, though. It says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and, and, and then in Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. And so what I want to do really quick is I want to show you how the happiest people I know are the ones that are doing this. They're making a difference with their life. 
And I want to show you how to do that in three areas. So it says Jerusalem. Jerusalem represents those closest to me. Those closest to me. So uh, I'm married. Annalise is right down here on the front row. She's my number one everything, right? Number one in my life. Apart from God, number one. Got to make a difference there. Then I have four boys. G1, G2, G3, G4. If you forget their names, just, just do that and you'll, you'll be good to go. So, so they're my top priority. They're the ones closest to me. But then there's you. City Hope Church, Wichita Falls, Texas, Wichita County is my number one priority. And then North Texas after that. God's given, God's given us some vision and dreams to see what he can do in, in North Texas, everybody. But my first priority is right here in Wichita Falls. It's you. Then he says, go to Judea and Samaria. This, this Judea and Samaria was close to Jerusalem geographically, but it, the people weren't the same. So Samaritans were kind of, they, they were mixed between some Samarians and Jewish people. Then you have Judeans. They, they weren't all fully Jewish people. And so they were close to them geographically, but different from them. And so I'm talking, I'm saying that God wants you to make a difference in people who are close to you, but different from you. So I'm talking about people who might have a different set of circumstances than you. I'm talking about people who may not agree with you. They may not see eye to eye with you. I'm talking about people who live on the opposite side of the tracks from you, whichever side you live on. It goes both ways. That God wants you to make a difference in the people that are close to you but far from you. And then number three is the world, the ends of the earth. This is people that are far from me. Like they're not even close to me. We don't even, I don't even know who these people are. I will never meet these people. But God's given us a responsibility to do something in their lives. God's given us a responsibility to make a difference and to reach the 27 million women and children who are currently being used every day in human trafficking. Every day, every day. All day, every day. They're being used up. God's given us a responsibility to make a difference in those people. He's given us a responsibility to help lead the four billion people on this planet who do, no, do not yet have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Four billion people. I mean, we could just say, oh man, we'll never be able to do that. Or we could say, do for one what we wish we could do for everyone. We're going to make a difference in one if it's only one. And if everybody makes a difference in one, we'll reach everyone. Come on, let's make a difference in the 1.2 billion people who don't have a copy of the Bible yet. Come on, let's make a difference. And so what I want to do today is I want to give you three ways that you can be a missional church, but more than that, you can be a missional person, all right? Number one is this, make a difference in my world. Make a difference in my world. I feel like I should stop and tell you something funny. Because up until that, that was like my whole introduction. <laughs> I usually don't preach that long. Uh, several years ago, uh, like I recently read or heard this story about a dog track. How many of you have ever been to a dog track? You know a little bit about a dog track. I mean, don't be afraid to lift your hands, right? Just, um, yeah, so I didn't know much about a dog track. But um, you know, I, I knew that they raced these dogs around the track. I didn't know how they raced them, though, like... 
I just thought they'd open the gate and off they go. But did you know there's actually a mechanical rabbit on a track that, that goes in this big loop and the dogs trace, they chase the rabbit. I had no idea. I just, I just thought they you open the gate and they go. Well, several years ago in Florida, at a racetrack, the mechanical rabbit exploded. Just, it blew up. And there was fur and there was like mechanical parts all over the racetrack. And the dogs stopped in their tracks. Like some of them laid down. Some of the dogs kept running. And they, they ran through the fence. They hurt themselves. They broke their ribs. Some of the dogs just stood there and barked at the audience. Right? They're just barking at them. And it reminded me, it was a good picture of humanity for us. That... Um, that when we don't have a rabbit to chase, well, I wish I had an organ right here. Come on. When we don't have a rabbit to chase, we will either lay down and take a nap, we will hurt ourselves, or we'll bark at everybody else along the way. Come on, somebody. When we don't have a purpose to our life. So we need a purpose, and that's what I'm talking about today. That's what I'm talking about. So uh, the, the, the first way you can make a difference is in your world, in your world. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 5, to go home, tell your family and friends. What do I tell them? Tell them what the Lord's done for you. Don't, don't tell them how bad and evil and wrong they are. Don't tell them how they've messed up and how they've blown it along the way. Come on, they already know that. They don't need to come to church to be told how wrong they are. They need to come to church to be able to hear somebody say, hey, God has a plan for your life and there's a future for you and he wants to do something in your life. And he says, go to them and tell them what the Lord has done for you and how he's shown mercy on you. One of the best ways that you can do that is through a simple invitation to church. You have a sphere of influence. Did you know that? You have a sphere of influence. There's something, there's people that God's put in your life I don't have access to but you have access to them. And they know, by the way, what you were like B.C., before Christ. They know what you were like before you started coming to church. And, and they've seen you work on your life and try, to, and, and try to follow Christ. And all they're waiting for is an invitation. Man, I, I don't know what's happened over here in his life, but man, I wish he would invite me to church because I, I really, I, I, need, I need something different in my life. And and, and if you're going to invite somebody to church, I want to tell you that Easter is the best chance you have to get them here. It's the best chance you have. In fact, they say that 82% uh, of people, when surveyed, said they would go to church if somebody just invited them. But what they're looking for, they're not just looking for an invite. They're looking for you to meet them in the parking lot. They're looking for you to sit with them in church. They're, they're looking for you to say, hey, I'll come with you Saturday night at 4 o'clock to Easter if you'd like to go. And hey, afterward, why don't we go get something to eat with our families? And I'm telling you that you will never care more about a church service than when your friend is sitting next to you in that service. Because when I say, everybody bow your heads and close your eyes, you're going to be peeking. You want to know. Did they give their life to Jesus that day because it means something to you? And, and you, you will never care more about whether the, the, the team was on key or off key or did they hit the right notes or did, you will, you will care more about it then than ever before. And I want you to know you can make a difference in your world. Let's go to number two. Number two is this, you can make a difference beyond your world. 
So this is the people that are close to you, but they're, they're different from you. They're the people in prison. They're the people struggling with maybe an addiction that you can't identify with. And you, you, you don't understand it. But they're people that you could help. So how do you, how do you, how do you make a difference in somebody who doesn't think like you do? How do you make a difference in somebody who's different from you? 1 Corinthians says it this way. You've got to find common ground with them. You've got to find something you have in common with them. Like, oh, hey, you like, you like football? Man, me too. Oh, your son plays baseball? Oh, mine does too. Where does he play at? And you have common ground. It's why we do a, a series here every year called At the Movies. Because everybody likes movies. And we're just trying to find common ground with people. Why? So that we can tell them about Christ and let Christ save them. And that's what we do. That's why we do what we do. We make a difference beyond our world. And one of the best ways for you to find common ground with somebody is to find their hurt and then heal their hurt. Find their need and then fill their need. We do that through God Loves You cards here. Um, in fact, we're looking for a way that we can be able to just have those available to you all the time. Just random acts of kindness cards where you can grab a stack of them and go through a drive through somewhere and pay for somebody's coffee or buy your neighbor's lunch or mow your neighbor's lawn or take two dozen boxes, two, two dozen boxes of donuts, that'd be a lot of donuts, two dozen donuts to work and just say, hey, you don't, listen, I don't want anything in return. I just want to tell you God loves you and I do too. And you put a little stack of God loves you cards on there and they begin to ask questions and they begin to say, hey, tell me about this church that you're going to. I've noticed that you've been a little bit different lately. Hey, I noticed that you don't cuss like you used to cuss. Come on, somebody. or You, you don't do whatever you used to do. Tell me about this church. Tell me about, tell me about it. And what are you doing? You're stooping down and you're reaching out to those who are oppressed and you're sharing their burdens and you complete Christ's law that way. Number three is you make a difference in the whole world. Make a difference in the whole world. In the whole world. And, and I know what you're thinking. Well, Pastor Ben, I can't go to the whole world. How am I supposed to go through the whole world and make a difference in the whole world? Because the truth is, you may never go on a missions trip. You may never end up in Africa or Pakistan. You may never end up somewhere in a foreign country. But you make a difference every single week by what you give. And I want to be clear that this part of the message, I'm not even, I'm not asking you to give. I'm, it's nothing like that. But here's what I'm saying. You make a difference when you give to the local church. Because it goes out from here and it reaches around the world. Literally. Right now we're operating the church on about 79% of what you give. That's great. That means, that means about 79% is staying right here at this building. I don't love that. I would like for that number to be about 60%. Why? So we can make a difference more outside of the walls of this church. I'd like for us to be able to do more to reach people, to see people get saved and set free. Come on, somebody. But here, let me, let me just let me inspire you for a minute. Because last year... Because of your generosity, we were able to give over $122,000 outside of the walls of this church to make a difference in Wichita Falls, in Texas, in America, and around the world. And that's incredible. For a two-year-old church to be able to do that, why did we do it? To, to accelerate missions in Cuba, and in Uganda, and in Pakistan, and in Israel. We did it to abolish debt 
of 412 families in Wichita Falls, Texas. Almost a million dollars in medical debt was abolished because of your generosity. We, we did it to help translate the Bible. There's a group of, of people, the Talapatra Cluster. We're not allowed to tell you where, where this group of people is, but it's referred to as the Talapatra Cluster, which represents over 2 million people who don't have access to the Bible. And right now, we're helping fund the translation of a Bible for their very own language, for 2 million people who will be able to access the Word of God. Come on, somebody. That's powerful. Like we, it's why we plant churches. It's why we resource churches. And it's why we're focused on the 1040 window. The 1040 window is, is a window on um, uh, close to Africa that goes all the way over to the Middle East. And it's this, this window, if you just Google 1040 window, it's staggering. 42% of the world's population is in the 1040 window. 90% of the world's poverty. 90% of the poverty in the world is in that window. 100% of the world's terrorism originates from that window. It's in that window where the Garden of Eden began. And that's why I think God's passionate about that window. And that's why we need to be passionate about that window. To make a difference. To see God's kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That we would see people saved and set free. Is it easy? No. Is it cost effective? No. Probably costs more to accelerate ministry there and to translate the Bible than just about anything we do. But why would, why would we do it? If it, if it costs more, Pastor Ben, why would we do it? Here's why. Because in Mark, Jesus said it this way. Go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everybody you can. That's why we do what we do. That's why we do what we do. So if Easter's your best chance to get a yes, invite somebody. If you can grab a stack of God loves you cards and, and, and do something, do an act of kindness for somebody, come on, do it. Make a difference in somebody's life. And if you have it to give, then give it. Because I promise you, we'll use it to make a difference in the world around us. In fact, everything we have here at church is paid for in cash. Glory to God. Thank God for that. That's incredible. But we still have a couple million dollars worth of vision and opportunity that we want to see happen. But we'll only move at the pace of generosity. Just as the Lord provides, that's when we'll move. And I want to close with this one last verse. Mark 10, 29 says that Jesus said, let me assure you that anyone who's ever given up anything, and he lists houses, family, brothers, sisters, mothers, weird uncles, whatever, you've given up something. For the love of me and to tell others the good news, you'll be given back a hundred times over. So he says, anybody who's ever given up anything for me, they'll, they'll be given back over a hundred times over. Now, I'm not a mathematician. I, I, I'm terrible at math. But Annalise, on the other hand, she's a freshman honors geometry teacher. So I verified this with her, all right? A hundred times over equals 10,000% increase. 
Who wants that kind of return on your life? I mean, that's a return you can't get anywhere else on earth. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about in joy and in freedom and in peace and in comfort and in God's plan and his purpose for your life. 10,000% increase sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Sign me up. So let me close with this story and then I'll, I'll get us out of here. I'm sorry I've gone long. Um, when I think about this scripture, it makes me think about where we were about three years ago. June 4th, 2018. Our bags were packed, trailers were loaded, and we were moving to Wichita Falls. God had put a dream in our hearts to plant this church. And we had no idea if it was going to last or make it or like is this thing like is are people even going to show up you know and we moved in on June the 4th we had sold just about everything we owned and everything was loaded in one big trailer a couple pickup truck beds we sold our house we had a 3100 square foot home that we just built and bought in 2015 We have four boys, so we need the square footage, right? We sold that and downsized to a house half the size. Our income was half of what it was in Alabama. And, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, boy, I sure hope this, I sure hope this thing pans out, you know. I sure hope we, I hope, I hope that we can make this happen. I hope God blesses it. And so in that new little home that we had bought, 1,700 square foot home. After everybody's gone, everybody left for the day. It's just our family there. And in the middle of the middle of the quietness, all the all the all the chaos, the movers, all the people were gone. We noticed something. It was the peace of God. It was like even my boys commented that it just feels kind of feels right. There's something different. It feels so peaceful here. And God kind of reminded me this week as I studied for this message that the peace we felt, that the peace we had in that moment, that even though, even though we were living in a house half the size and with half the income and with, with, with half of the, the friends and, and we'd left everything back in Alabama, even though our outlook was different, we had the peace of God in our life. The reason why is because we were now fulfilling what God had called us to do. And I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. Where you find real joy and real peace is in the middle of the will of God. And that was us. And I wouldn't change anything. I wouldn't change anything. God's been good to us. So I want you to write this down. This might not be your issue, but, but it's what made sense in my brain. So I want you to write this down, that I'll never be satisfied making a dollar. You could fill it in with whatever you struggle with, with whatever is maybe your, your go-to. I'll never be satisfied making a dollar when my purpose in life is to make a difference. Is to make a difference. Amen. Does that help anybody today? Hey, come on, will you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? And let me pray for us today. Father, I thank you for your presence and your power in this place. God, I thank you for the word that you've given us. And um, even though I can be long-winded sometimes, you can still bless it. 
So God, I ask you to do that right now. And would you bless it, God? Would you bless it? Father, for every person who feels alone, they feel like they're on an island by themselves. They feel lost or chaotic. They don't know what to do in life. They're not sure where to turn. God, I pray right now that you would open their eyes, open the eyes of their heart, that they would see you, that they would know you, that they would know the purpose that you have for their life, that you created them for more, God. You created them for more. There's more to life than what we're going through right now. We want to take advantage of everything that you've given us, Father. Everything that you sent Jesus to die for, we want it all, God. So I pray that blessing over us today. And then with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, if you're here today and, and you have never taken the first step, and that is to know God, you've never given your life to Christ, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've never asked him to be in charge, you've never asked him to be the king of your heart, I want to give you an opportunity right now to make him the Lord of your life, to, to make him everything that you that you need in your life to make him the ruler of your life he loves you I want to give you that opportunity and I won't hassle you I won't single you out but if that's you I want you to lift your hand when I count to three if that's you you're ready to make Jesus the Lord of your life one two three just slip up your hand and say that's me Ben I want to make Jesus my Lord I want him to be in charge of my life who's that today anybody here today that say that's me anybody in the balcony anybody down here come on Thank you. Thank you. I'm proud of you. I am proud of you. Anybody else would say, that's me, Ben. I, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I, I don't know him, and I want to I know God today. Right where you are, let's pray this prayer together. Say, Jesus. Come on, let's say this with boldness. Let's say, Jesus, I give you my life, all that I am, heart, soul, mind, and strength. I surrender. Will you forgive me? Will you cleanse me? And will you give me a fresh start? From this day forward, I will live for you the best that I know how. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God thanks today. Let's thank God for his word, his power. Amen.